This is Kent Clothier. If you are looking to improve your life, improve your business, and just get it all together, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Time Is Now podcast. Say hello to my good friend, Mr. Trevor Mock. What is going on, brother? What's up, man? Good, good connect with you again, dude. Like, like yeah. We record. It's been a while. Yeah, I'm glad we uh, put this together here. So um, we had literally had so many people um, ultimately in the last two weeks, and I needed a few days, a little bit of a break here. But yep. once we get a a little bit of a break from it, then I was like, you know, we got to keep doing this. We got to keep bringing really talented people on here and keep sharing. So I'm excited that you're here, brother. Dude, th- th- thank you very much. And I'll, also, I kind of want to throw some praise and love on you. Uh, like like we were talking before we hit record, right now is when people need more positivity. Right now is when people need uh, real information. And uh, I think some people are kind of you know, pulling back and doing the whole let's sit back and wait it out kind of thing and see what happens, which is the exact opposite thing that everyone should be doing. So thanks for uh, for leading well, man, as a good example. Oh, no, I appreciate you saying that, dude. You and I go way back, but uh, for the people that don't know who you are, don't know kind of what you're all about or what this, the amazing company that you've built or your amazing story, I would love for you to kind of give us the five minute, you know, kind of overview a little bit. Dude, for sure. So uh, first of all, I uh, live in Southern Oregon and it's amazingly beautiful out right now. So I'm out my, uh, out my back deck and uh, and we're we're in a small town here and, and I'll talk about kind of Carrot, what we do here at Carrot and, and a brief part of my story. Then we'll dive in to help, help you. I want to help you guys. Uh, based on some amazing data we have and what's going on in both the real estate market and some other stuff and just kind of talk entrepreneurship stuff in this time. But uh, I own a company called Carrot, uh, Carrot.com. We founded that, shoot, it was early 2014, end of 2013. Uh, we work with just shy of 7,000 active real estate investors, now real estate agents, uh, to help you control Google, uh, convert more of your visitors into leads and get higher ROI with all your marketing. And um, a little shy of... A million leads a year come through our system, almost all inbound organic. And uh, if you were to Google something like sell my house fast, insert any city in the country, you're probably going to find somewhere between three and eight carrot sites controlling those, uh, you know, Google in, in every city in the country. Uh, but dude, the, the, the really high level here is, and I think this is relevant to everybody because I'm not, we're not talking about, you know, lead gen and stuff like that specific. Maybe we will today, but the high level is, um, man, back in 2012, I think you and I first met probably in 08 around that. And, uh, and ever since then, we've, we've connected a lot. I was in your first, first, uh, a boardroom mastermind, the first version yep. of it, man, yep. met so many amazing people in the first boardroom, Justin Colby and, uh, Roland met him at that time, uh, Frazier and a bunch of other people. But dude, since that time, I'd always looked at business and I said, you know, how can you build a business that, that supports you rather than you supporting it? You know, it's almost like a stool. Uh, if you have a one or two legged stool and the legs are your marketing channels, your people or processes, if you have a one or two legged stool, you get up off of that thing, it falls over. So you're always having to support that business where it doesn't have good processes, people or uh, good lead gen. And so that's what I looked at after boredom. I'm like, man, how can I now make sure to build a business that's consistent, that's predictable, that builds momentum and is an asset as we grow it. And uh, care in addition, my other companies are that. Uh, we're uh, one of the fast growing companies in America as are, as are you guys hit the ink list the last two, three years. And I'm uh, just very grateful for it, man. So that, that's kind of the high level. No, I love it, dude. And, and you know, one of the things I admire most Trevor about, and, and this goes back to when we first really started hanging out in the original boardroom is that you were, you were investing a great deal of time uh, to your point in really thinking through processes, really thinking through culture, really doing deep dives to make sure that, um, you weren't getting caught up in the in the hustle, and, and from my perspective, right? You weren't getting caught. I mean, you were clearly trying to make money, but you weren't so caught up in the hustle that you were forgetting what you were you were actually trying to build something that matters, right? Yeah. And I really have always admired that and loved that because in the end, you proved to be right, right? It means you, I, I can remember when it was a few hundred people on Carrot, now we're seven thousand, right? Yep. Um, so you know, my hats off to you for doing that. I would love to talk about you know maybe the early years first off. Of, of Carrot and and how you came up with the idea of being so diligent on the processes and so diligent on the culture, some of the things you've learned along the way, and then we'll just kind of naturally go where this conversation takes us. Dude, so here, here's one thing that everyone can take away from from this on this on this uh, call right here is um, when you and I first met, I had a publishing company and uh, you know, did, did some stuff in the in the information space. 
And while we, while we did well, it, it felt like I was always kind of doing work that dragged me down energy wise. You know, I was, do, I was doing work that, that I was good at. I was paid well for it. People say, Hey, if you're good at certain, certain things that people tell you you're good at and you get paid well for it, that's probably your, your unique abilities. And, um, so I kept on doing more of that. And what happened, man, was, was it was draining my energy at the end of every week. I'd, I'd get to the end of <laughs> end of each week. And I'm like, man, I did a lot of work, but it just feels like it sucked the life out of me. It feels like like I'm not building something. I'm not like building a life. I'm just building an income. And um, so I sat down, you know, this is 2012. I sat down and said, what do I not like about the businesses that I've built up to this point? And I wrote a list. I wrote a list of all the things that I did not like. And oftentimes one of the best ways to find what you do like is to write down what you don't like first and just pick the opposite of that. And so I wrote down a list of the things I did not like. And one of them was in inconsistency. It was like, man, I didn't like the fact that my income would go up like this one month and then we'd hustle to fulfill that. And then it would go down and it would go up and it would go down. Uh, at the end of the year, the tax statement wasn't bad, but uh, I was stressed every month. You, you can't take like a month vacation off if you don't know what your income is going to be like in two or three months. Uh, you, you can't feel like the business supports you. You're always supporting it. Uh, another thing, Kent, was like I said, kind of going back to energy was um, a lot of the work I was doing was draining my energy, but I was paid well for it. I was following what society was telling me I should be doing. And I said, well, what if I just change that around? What if I don't care about the money as much right now and I just chase energy? What if I just chase energy and say, I want to find the work that gives me more energy when I'm done doing it than when I started and that I'm really good at. And hopefully I can find a way to make money doing that. And so uh, in that time period, 2012 or so, I created something I called the energy audit and I still use it today. It takes 15 minutes a quarter, completely changed my life. I could go through it today if people wanted, but let's do it. I would love to do that. Sweet, sweet man. So I'll, I'll go through the energy out. And th this leads into care in a very specific way because where we are right now, um, there's going to be some great opportunity. There's there's going to be some people that didn't adjust their businesses and they might uh, have, a, have a really hard time. Uh, but also the cool thing is out of those hard times is opportunity. You get to forge something new when you're in the fire. Um, and so you guys have a chance now to write down these things that I did in 2012. Write down those things you don't like about your current business. Write down what's draining your energy. So the quick of the, the energy audit, and people can go can go grab it on my website. You don't have to opt in for anything. It's just I've got the PDF of my audit there. Uh, just carrot.com forward slash energy. No opt-in, no nothing. Just grow, go grab it. I want people to use it. Uh, carrot.com forward slash energy. And so on one side, you're going to write down all the things in, in your average week that you do that drain your energy. Okay. So I'm not talking just work. I'm talking work, life, anything at all. And, um, and then on the other side of it, write anything that gives you energy and especially write the things like give yourself permission to write the things that you maybe aren't spending a lot of time right now doing. And so I'll give people an example. In 2012, I was spending a lot of time writing email copy. I spent a lot of, spending a lot of time, um, you know, doing the execution of the marketing and, uh, and I wasn't spending a lot of time doing the strategic part of it. That's probably like five or 10% and the majority was execution. And on my list on the left side, it's like almost everything was the stuff that was filling up most of my work day. It was writing email copy. It was doing this. It was setting up this landing page. It was doing all the execution of the marketing. And then on the other side, I wrote stuff that gives me energy. Like I love strategy and I, and I love like this kind of stuff. I love doing content and talking entrepreneurship stuff. Um, I love, you know, working out, but I wasn't doing enough of it or any of it. I love this. I love that. And so then on your, on your energy draining section, you look at that and go, okay, cool. I'm going to pick one or two of these things this quarter. I'm going to circle. Um, I'm, I'm going to circle. Um, I'm going to circle two of these items on here on the energy draining category, and then I'm going to write down how many hours each one of those um, I, I used. I, I, I spend time on each one of those each week. And so I'll just give an example. Uh, even I even did this in Carrot in 2015, and I was writing written articles. That's kind of part of helped us grow. What Carrot was content marketing, putting articles online, attracting our ideal client, building authority, trust and then becoming becoming a customer. But writing those articles, man, was yanking the life out of me. Um, I would stay up in the morning, stay up at night until two, three in the morning sometimes to get that article out because I also had customer support I was doing. I also had marketing I was doing. I had the, the articles. I had you know, some basic hiring in the early days. And where it shifted for me, where I went back to the energy out, I kind of lost track of the energy out a little bit. Uh, where it shifted for me was in 2015, um, after just another one of those late night vendors where I was hustling and grinding like you're supposed to, you know, hustling and grinding. And I was up until two or three in the morning writing an article to get it out on time. And, uh, we had a family trip that next day. And, uh, up to that point, I'd always been saying, well, shoot, 
if it's not impacting my family, I can handle it. Like if it's not hurting my family and I'm doing it after family goes to bed or whatever, and I'm still giving them the time, I can handle it. I'm okay with that as long as it's not sacrificing their, their, their quality time. And so I kept on doing that. We hopped in our car, drove that way, uh, uh, over the mountains in Oregon towards my parents' house in the middle of the day uh, with our Yukon XL, kids in the back, three kids in the back, and my wife up here in the front. And um, I fell asleep. I fell asleep going through the mountains. There's a big ravine over the edge, guardrail, just like out of the movies, man, uh, where you, you picture it and in in, in you're like, there's no way it could have happened that perfectly in the movies where the guy would wake up with the ravine, guardrail over the edge, and wake up just in time to swerve back and barely scrape the guardrail and come back in. Like, there's no way the timing would have been that perfect. And uh, that's exactly what happened. Um, so I, I fell asleep in the middle of the day after one of those benders um, doing work that uh, was draining my energy that was important. It gave us money and it helped us attract customers. People said I'm good at it. And uh, right there, I got out of the car, switched spots with my wife, didn't drive in a family trip for six months. But one big change I made, Kent, is I went back and did the energy audit, and I'll finish up the audit here, is um, from that second, I went cold turkey and didn't work nights, weekends. I didn't work at home for over two years. My computer didn't come in the house for over two years. And so what I was forced to do, Kent, was really look at that energy audit and go, man, what's giving me energy? What's not? And how do I still grow a business? while I'm not doing all this other stuff that makes us money that drains my energy, it's got to be people in process. And so right there, I just said, I'm not willing to grow a business anymore off of, off of my back or off of the potential lives of myself or my, or my fam, my family and wife. I can't, I'm not going to hustle and grind like that anymore. Uh, I'm going to build people in process and build an amazing culture that people want to work with. But, um, so that was the big shift in care. And I'll, I'll go back and wrap this up and toss it back to you. The energy audit is what, what solved that for me in 2015. It does it every year. I circle those items that drain my energy the most, write down how many hours per week I'm spending on that item. And let's say it's two of them and together that's 10 hours a week. I go over to the energy giving section and I circle one item over there I'm not spending enough time on. And I say, cool, I'm going to fill all or most of these hours with that thing I really love and gives me energy. And now that's my my first thing for that quarter is how do I, how do I create process or plug a person into one of those things that drains me energy so I don't have to do them anymore. And then, and then uh, replace it with this energy giving activity. And eventually I went from uh, 20% energy giving and 80% energy draining, which is not a spot you want to be in your business or life. Uh, two of the next two to three years, I went to 80% energy giving in my work and 20% energy draining uh, off that one exercise. So you guys can grab it. All the instructions are there, carrot.com forward slash uh, um, energy. So it's carrot.com forward slash energy. I highly recommend all you guys go over there and do that. We've all, we all have... Um, I shouldn't say we all, but a lot of a lot of people that we know um, and that we respect have similar kind of epiphanies, if you will, right? Where you just kind of realize that the only way you're going to accomplish what you want to accomplish, and by accomplish, I mean get the life that you actually want, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the money and the success, because as you get older, success is kind of defined a different way. Mm -hmm. At least for me personally. Yep. Uh, it's about being able to do what I want when I want and not have to break my back doing it, right? And, but still get paid handsomely. Um, what you realize is that, and I've said this so many times, and I would tell everybody to, to kind of write this down. It's just a kind of a, a, a reframe of a little bit of what you're talking about is, you know, you're, you, if you want to have everything, your job quickly becomes to fire yourself as often as you can. Hmm. Look for the places, to your point, right? Look for the places, the energy draining stuff that you have conned yourself into believing is what you have to be doing, right? Which is a very powerful word. It's not have to, I mean, you may have to now, but quickly, as soon as you, like what you said, when you have this real smack in the face, you quickly realize what you have to do versus what you don't have to do, right? I mean, life has a way of reminding you real quick. <laughs> Dude, big time. And one thing, one thing with that too, that, that's really important that I want, want everyone to do is is oftentimes it's hard to know it's it's hard to it's hard to know how to build your business if you don't write down what you want your business to become, right? Yeah. And that's where that's where the the non negotiables came for me in 2012. Is, is closing the loop on this story. I was looking back at my previous companies, wrote down what I did not like about them. One of those items was was I wasn't working on things that I enjoyed. That's where the energy audit came in. But with those non negotiables, you know, one of them I want to have more fun in my business, so I wrote that down, like to make it intentional. And I'm like, every business I build is going to have some component of fun in the brand. 
Um, the next one was work within my unique abilities. It goes back to that issue I had before. I was working on things that weren't my unique ability, draining my energy. I need to make sure that that's always a part of my company moving forward or I'm just not going to run the company anymore. Another one was build a consistent, predictable um, income. My previous stuff was was all was everything but that. So then as I'm looking at my next company, I said, what types of business models create that now? Now I purposefully choose a business model that creates consistent, predictable income so I can take vacations with my family. So I can know three, four, five months in advance what my income is going to be within a 10% variance. So if something like this happens right here in COVID, I, I have less of an impact right. um, than I would have had before. And then one of the last ones on there was build an asset, build a valuable asset because all of my businesses before were churn and burn transactional type of things. And that was one thing I, I remember uh, following you, man, uh, out of boardroom and all, and all uh, after that too, is you done a really good job building an asset, building more consistency and predictability in your model than I had had at that time in a big way. And I'm like, man, how do I, how do I get out from under this business that's trapping me and, and I'm supporting it versus the other way around? So I would highly encourage everyone to create your non-negotiables today. It's a perfect time to do it right now in this time is write down what do you not like about what you've done before in business or life and then on the flip side of it write down what your non-negotiables are so trevor let, let's switch gears on everybody here for a second so again mm -hmm. carrot.com uh is a service that basically provides uh lead generation websites and drives organic traffic for over seven thousand agents and investors from around the country you go into any major city or i may not even have to be major anymore but you go to most cities in the united states and you go type in need to sell your house fast, whatever the case may be, the chances of that, the top ranking sites there, maybe three to five ranking sites, maybe more are all in all likelihood gonna be carrot sites. Uh, Trevor has built a, an amazing, not only platform, but amazing community and amazing culture uh, inside, of his, inside of his business and something I admire very, very much. And I invited him here today because I wanted him to kind of share, again, what we kind of started with is, is how you start down the path of mm -hmm. uh, creating the ideal company, right? Because you just don't, this doesn't happen like that. There's a lot of trial, a lot of tribulation, a lot of headaches, a lot of brain damage, a lot of, it's, regardless of, of whether you set up your non-negotiables, it doesn't take away some of the sleepless nights, right? You still got the, still got to get there. So yeah. talk about some of the things that you've, you've learned uh, and then we'll kind of go to more strategic and data stuff, but I, I, I really love the journey. Talk about some of the stuff that you've learned in building this company over the last five years that, that are really key pivotal things that you would share. Yeah, dude, what, what I'm going through right now, and, and, and it seems like I kind of go through phases with it, is is always know what your outcome of the business is that you're shooting for. Because um, what ha what's happening, I'll, I'll give you guys context on that right now, is is are you trying to build a business to sell it? Are you trying to build a, build, build a business so you can pull yourself out of it within a year or two? Are you trying to build a business to where you want to stay in it? You know, Do you want to be the owner of the business but not run it? Do you want to work in the business? Do you want to work on it? And so uh, that's where I haven't been clear enough oftentimes uh, in, in building this company is, is sometimes I'm like, man, I just want to work in it. I'm pumped about it right now. And then sometimes you go through those waves where like, geez, I don't know, maybe I want to sell it. And, um, and I think without the clarity of what your end game is, you know, what, what, what's your Super Bowl? You know, what's your Super Bowl? Where are you trying to go at the end of the day? And where are you trying to bring your team? And is everyone aligned around that Super Bowl? If you look at the way that that uh, sports works. I'm, I'm, I'm a sports fan. If you look at the way that sports works, uh, my friend Alex Sharpen uh, uh, explained it this way, and I absolutely love it. Uh, he talks about it with um, with the football team. He says, essentially, uh, most companies aren't clear what their Super Bowl is. Most companies aren't clear where they're going. And when you look at a football team or a baseball team or anything like that, they're all very clear. They show up and they go, what is our ultimate goal? Our, our ultimate goal is to try to make it to the Hall of Fame. Like years out, that's our ultimate goal is Hall of Fame. And it's very clear. It's very defined exactly what the Hall of Fame is and likely what you've got to do to get there. Uh, then the next thing is they say, well, shoot, what's our, what's, our, what's our focus this year? Like, what's your main overarching thing this year? They're like, well, we want to win the Super Bowl this year. Okay, cool. Awesome. So they know showing up every single game exactly what their, all of their shared outcome is, is to win the Super Bowl that year. They know in their first practice, their fourth game, they know in the fifth play of that game exactly what their outcome is, is to try to get them closer to the Super Bowl. And then if you look at the weekly, uh, they all know what their, who their opponent is that week and exactly what they need to, need to do strategically to beat that, 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 that opponent. And if you work it back even further, every single player knows exactly what they need to work on every season in order to get better in their position to then march towards contributing towards the team winning the game 
the team winning the Super Bowl, and then eventually maybe making it to the Hall of Fame. So if you work it backwards for business, most of us kind of go into business without a clear definition of what that Hall of Fame is. You know, where do you want to be in 10 years? What does it look like? Is it clear in your mind? If it's not clear in your mind, people that work for you are going to have no clue what it is. And so, um, and, and, and that's an issue that we've had over the years too, and still sometimes do. Well, and dude, I would go one step further. If you think about this, and, and I've said this at our events several times, so some of the people that are watching have heard me say this, but if you think about this, I mean, if, even where you live today, if, if somebody, if a friend of yours said, uh, hey, come over and check out the new house I just bought, what, the very next question out of your mouth would be, give me the address. I'm gonna put yep. it in the GPS. And I'm going to get there. Why? Because you want to make sure that you are successful in your journey. Um, what what you clearly would not do is drive up and down every street in Oregon and say, well, I think I'll just know with your car when I see it. I'll kind of run into it. Right. Yeah. Um, but I know it frustrates you and it certainly frustrates me. It's shocking how many people go through their entrepreneurial journey. But, and that's their approach to the, your exact point. Right. Is I'll just know success when I run into it. I'm going to buy a little bit of this, I'm gonna buy a little bit of that, I'm gonna buy a carrot over here, I'm gonna buy this SEO package over there, I'm gonna buy, and I'm gonna get on this webinar and that webinar, and they just go through just grabbing at all these different things. You know, I, another analogy I use is, is that if your wife asked you to stop by the grocery store and pick up something, um, you would not stop there. You would ask her the next thing. It's like, okay, tell me exactly what you want so that I can make sure that I bring you what you want, What you certainly would never do is go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of random shit and dump it on the counter and say, is any of this shit what you want? Yeah. yeah. To yep. your point, that's exactly what people do in business. So this is a really, really important point that you're making. And I hope everybody's picking up on it is that having really good clarity and understanding that guys, you literally do this every day with the smallest decisions going to the grocery store, going to a friend's house, going whatever. You do it every day. You never. You never wander around aimlessly, but when it comes to your business or it comes to your life or it comes to that, you absolutely do it. You're like, no, I've never actually sat down and said, hey, this is what I fucking want. I mean, it's like, what are you here's, doing? Man, and, and here's, here's the thing with it too, because what, what I've experienced myself, and, and I'm not going to say I'm perfect here because it sometimes- oh, yeah, it goes, Neither of us are, right? We figured this out, but yeah, I get it. It goes up and down where it's like, oh, shoot. You know, I, I already knew that thing, but two years later, I got lazy and I forgot about it. But what, what happens, y'all, is if you don't have that crazy crystal clear vision of where you're going in your life, but then where you're going in your company and then relaying that to your team members, if you have team members, is, is like Kent said, you start to take distraction. You're like, there, there's, a, there's a squirrel everywhere. Everything looks good because you can't tie that squirrel to the vision specifically. So you go grab that thinking maybe it's, it's almost like candy, right? Like they all look good to you, but if you eat enough candy, it's going to rot your teeth away. And so if you, if, if you instead know exactly where you're going with your vision, you can look at that squirrel and go, hey, that looks kind of cool. But my vision, this is where I'm going right here. That doesn't fit into it now, so I'll look, I'll look back at that later. And um, that's where I've sometimes fallen down on where I, you, you can take for granted as a leader that everyone around you uh, is as clear about the vision as you are. And, and even, if you, even if you talk the vision consistently to your team, uh, I think one delusion many leaders have, and I've, I've been in it and I'm sometimes still in it now, is that everyone is it is is as clear as you are on it? So one thing that I would challenge everyone to do uh, for yourself is I do this every year um, at the personal level, and I'm doing it right now for our next five years for Carrot. That's something I'm carving away time next week for. Is I write a vision story. Um, the way that my brain works, I'm not a bullet point guy as much. I'm, I'm more like story format. So I sit down with a piece of paper, just hand handwriting it first, and I write down. You know, where do I want to be in life in 20 years? Um, and I've got it in my orange notebook. I use that same notebook every year. I rewrite it every year. And every year it just refines. It's the same vision, just refined every year, you know? And so I write down, where do I want to be in 20 years, like today? So what, what happens, I sit down at the vision store and I go, cool, April 15th, 20 years from now, uh, April 15th, 2040, I'm going to be some 37. Now, I'm going to be 57 years old. Um, and I, I literally picture like my ideal Average day. I learned that from Kern, Frank Kern. Yep, the very I did too. I did. The perfect day. I absolutely. I, I still do it every year. Dude, I, I, lo I love it. And the first time I ever, first time I ever heard it and saw it, I was in Orlando um, when Frank did like the original presentation at Rich Sheffern's event. I was in there in the first row, and he did it, and he had everyone mesmerized. And all it was was visioning where you want to be in your future. 
And so, so few of us vision where we want to be in our future. Dude, so few of us vision what's going to happen at five o'clock at the end of the day today. Like we right. just kind of let the day just happen. And so I took that and I ran with it. And that was back in 2008 or nine, I think it was when I saw it. And I start with, I start with 20 years out and I do literally from the time I wake up, who am I looking at when I wake up? What does my room look like? What am I looking at out the window? What do I hear? What conversation is the first conversation I have? What do I smell? Um, you know, what time am I waking up? I get out of bed. Where do I go now? now who am I eating breakfast with my kids at that time? You know, they're going to be 20 years older. So I've got a, a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. So they're going to be 25 and 27, 20. Where are they going to be at? I literally picture where McKinley, my nine-year-old is going to be when she's 29 years old. And, and then go, go throughout your whole day like that. You know, what am I going to eat? When am I going to eat? Who am I going to talk to? I'm probably going to be doing work. What type of work am I going to be doing? When am I going to be starting it? Where am I going to go? What kind of, what types of conversations am I going to be having during work that day? When am I going to stop? What's for dinner? When am I like all that thing all the way until I hit the bed. And it's like this crystal clear, vivid vision. And so then I walk it back and I go, cool. Now, now let me do 10 years. Okay. So I, I write down a 10 year vision story and it's usually a little bit shorter, right? But it, the 10 year has to lead you into the 20. And so if that 10 year story, if I, if I, if I live towards the 10 year story, I will then put myself in a position to live the, the 20 year. And then I, I do that. And then same thing next, I, I do a five. That's a little bit closer, but it's still far enough away to where big things can happen in your life. And so I, I do a five year, literally from the time you wake up, time you go to bed, what does my day look like? What type of work am I working on? What type of work am I doing? You know, what's my fan, what conversations do I have? What am I doing fitness wise? All that stuff. And then the last one is the one year. And this is where a lot of people get stuck is we'll write the big, huge, long vision, but then we forget to get clarity on what I need to do this year. And then our years are just aimless. And we get to the end of the year going, man, another year went by where one of my primary goals never, I didn't move an inch on. And it's because you didn't get crazy clear that year. What do I need to do? Looking back in one year, the whole Dan Sullivan question. If I look back in a year or, or two, what would, what would have to happen? in order to put me into the position where I'd feel it was a, a big success. And write down, this would have to happen, that would have to happen, this would happen, have to happen. Now those items right there, those have to happens, are things you need to look at each quarter now and go, how do I, what do I need to do this quarter to make that happen? So if you can do that, now going all the way back, connecting the dot all the way back, Kent, to delegation, how do you build a team, and how do you, how do you build a company that you're doing the work you enjoy? Without that clarity that I just talked about there, it's almost impossible to then be intentional enough to build a team around doing around getting those things done because you're looking at your bank account. You're looking at, well, shoot, I'm bringing in five grand a month. I don't want to pay someone three grand a month because that takes three grand a month out of my pocket because you have a short-term vision. If you've got the long-term vision and clarity and where you're going, you're going to look at that investment and go, you know what? I'm willing to take a hit in the, in the first two to three months because I know if that person does this, I can do more energy giving stuff over here which is going to far make up that three grand a month. I'm paying that person. Not even close. That's exactly how it's done, brother. That's exactly. And I, I love that. That's a great way of connecting the dots there for people, because that is a, that is exactly how it's done. When, when the vision is so clear, then the steps that you have to take in real time don't seem like expenses. They seem like investments. And it's yep. that one shift. Mm. Dude. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example on that. So, um, 2010, shortly after after meeting Kern and seeing that that presentation, um, I wrote down my first life list, and that's posted up on my personal website, just trevormock.com. There's a big link there that says life list. I think it's 102 items, things I want to accomplish, people I want to, uh, who do I want to want to become, place I want to go, like all that kind of stuff, right? Skills I want to develop. Um, and one of the items on the life list was making 505,000 list. But when I wrote it down, I had no clue how it was going to happen. I think that's one of the, that's one of the things that blocks people when they're writing down a vision is, is they, they fear to put down the what without knowing the how. And so they're like, oh my gosh, well, I can't put down the what if I have no clue how to do the how. And so then they start to limit their vision to what they already know how to do or, right. or, or is within close reach. And so uh, put down, guys, dream big. Put down stuff you have no clue how to do. Okay. Cause, cause, cause things happen in incremental steps. And so if you don't know how to make a million bucks a year, but you know how to make 50 a year, cool. Now just learn how to make a hundred a year. Once you learn how to make a hundred, learn how to make 250. And then eventually you'll learn how to make a million. Um, but one of the things I put in there was I'd eventually like to donate a million bucks. Like I want to donate over a million dollars. And I'm like, I don't know how that's going to happen. No clue, but I'm going to put it down to me at the time it was big. 
And uh, we started our giving program at Carrot a couple of years ago. We've donated hundreds of thousands. And then uh, this year we launched our official nonprofit, our, our Carrot Impact Fund, um, where we we looked at the vision. We said, hey, this is where said we want to go a decade ago. I'm going to make a big bet. Yeah, rather than it going to my bank account, I'm going to write a half million dollar check and start the Carrot Impact Fund. And we did that. And here's a connection for you, man. The very first check we wrote uh, was to Dave Brown's uh, nonprofit for helping uh, helping oh, uh, helping veterans uh, start businesses. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's um, you know one thing. I, I want to. We'll close the loop on this with this. One thing to make that exercise extremely powerful. Just to reiterate a point that that we kind of maybe glossed over a little bit here is. Mm -hmm. um, to your point of dreaming big, take all the restrictions off, guys. You know, one thing Kern talks about at length there is no geography, no family, no relationships, no job. Take every basically what you're trying to say is if I could be anybody, anywhere, at any time, in any situation, this is who I want to be. And then you start working backwards there because you're basically trying to create your perfect situation and your mind. And, you know, and then it's something else I really want to make a, a really uh, drive it home is that. Don't be lazy with this, right? Our minds uh, have the amazing ability, to, and especially at a subconscious level, to begin to make things real for us. Um, but they, but our, but our minds think in pictures. They think in movies, right? And so that's the way we, you know, when we imagine, we don't imagine words. We don't, you know, <laughs> we're thinking in terms of movies. And so. What you're doing by adding all that detail, the day that I wake up and I do this and then smell the air and it looks like that, and this is who I'm with and this is what, I, is you're allowing your mind to kind of wrap itself around that, hey, this is like a movie playing in my head. And when that and when that movie starts to become reality, it is one of the greatest feelings you'll ever have. It happened to me on July 26th on 2009. On the, uh, and it was when what I had written down, my perfect situation, suddenly I it was happening in a, in a real day. Um, and so being able to, to lay that vision out and, and really get very clear on it is an extremely powerful exercise because it gives not only you clarity, uh, but to your point, it gives the people around you clarity. Your vision becomes very, very real, tangible, and it comes in the most empowering thing you get, that it gives you is the ability to say no. Oh, Stuff dude. doesn't line up. Dude, that, that, that right there is huge. I want people to, to emphasize that part of it because you know, I'll, I'll double down on what Kent just said there. When, when you have the crystal clear vision, y'all, uh, like, like Kent said, you don't let that distraction then come in and, and knock you off of, the, of, of, your, of your vision, knock you off of, of, of achieving that. And so start there. I, I would encourage everyone to start there. If you don't have a crazy, crazy crystal clear vision written down, that's like your number one thing you should be doing today uh, is that. Get excited about it. And it should be something – uh, like, like, um, Kent was saying, it should be something where it should be freaking exciting. Uh, you know, unleash everything, like don't have any bounds to it. And, and I'll kind of give one last little part here and then we can you know, move on to another topic. If, uh, you guys want is, is when, when, when you're looking at those goals and targets, when you're looking at everything, if you can, if you can kind of picture, uh, when you're a baby and you're walking, right. You don't go immediately from crawling to running. And that's where a lot of us kind of get caught up with our vision and goals is, we're right now in a crawling phase versus where we want to go, possibly. But then where we where where we want to go is like a, a sprinter, and you can't go. Well, shoot, I'm gonna how how the heck am I gonna go from crawling to sprinting? Like that seems impossible. Going back to what I talked about before, incremental steps. You don't have to you don't have to do that all in one whack. It might take you a year or two months or six months or ten years. Uh, you just have to learn how to get up and stand up first. And once you learn how to get up and stand up, then you'll learn how to take the first step. Once you learn how to take the first step, you learn how to walk. Then eventually you'll learn how to run. And so completely unbridle that vision. You'll get something that's crazy exciting for you, even if you have no clue how it's going to happen because the how, the how uh, will uncover itself as you go. Amazing. Uh, 100%, brother. Let's talk about some of the data, some of the other things that you'd like to share. Clearly, you, you, can, you get the ability to see this from uh, a vantage point that most don't. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I would love, love your insight on kind of some of the things that you guys are picking up along the lines. What, what I was going to show you guys, I was going to show you guys um, a screenshot of my actual Google Analytics uh, for our Carrot platform. And so to give you guys context, if you're a real estate investor or an agent or you're in the real estate game at all, or even if you're not in the real estate game at all, um, this some of this will relate to you with trends and, and, um, and what, uh, what you can do during COVID right now. So a few weeks ago, right after the stay-at-home orders started to hit uh, all around the country, we started to look at it and go, what is happening right now with seller and buyer searches online? 
Uh, we have a really, really big network of websites in this space specifically, over 10,000 websites on, in every city in the country that's, you know, that other than maybe South Dakota uh, states. Um, but, uh, you know, tons and tons of leads that come in. And so we said, is there any overarching trend? And so right in during March 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, when the stay-at-home orders started to hit from many of the, uh, of, the, um, of the states, we started to see an immediate drop in some traffic from buyers and sellers. Now, these are mainly motivated house sellers, but also cash buyers uh, and also retail buyers and sellers, but mostly the motivated house sellers that most investors are working in. Uh, now, that dip was about a 10% dip is all in traffic and people going to Google and searching for search phrases and then also some pay-per-click traffic. Uh, it, it only lasted for two weeks. So there's kind of that initial pullback, that initial uh, probably unsure feeling and maybe a little bit of fear from people going, shoot, what do I do? And let's kind of lock down. And then in mid uh, or two weeks after that, it started to pick back up, which puts us towards the end of April. And now traffic itself, and I'm, I'm looking at the data, I'm verbalizing it to you because uh, the, the software system wasn't letting us do it. Traffic itself, Kent, is back up higher now than it was before COVID happened. Uh, so traffic is higher now before COVID happened with motivated seller searches specifically, okay? So if there's people out there saying, man, lead generation's harder right now, I can tell you that right now, sellers mainly, but also buyers are more than ever looking for solutions right, right now, okay? Now, the other side of it is this, because we'll talk to some of our high-end clients. They're going, man, I got a text from one of, one of our big investors out of Louisville. He's been with us forever. Uh, he does big, big uh, business over there in Louisville, Kentucky. And he texted like literally the morning that all the shutdown stuff happened. And I don't know why he texted me, but uh, he's been with us that long. that I was like literally his support guy five years ago. Um, but he said, Trevor, I know you guys are running my pay-per-click traffic. Can you like cut all my ad budgets right now? And I texted him back. I said, JP. Why are you wanting to cut your ad budgets? Is it like based on emotion or is it actual data you're saying? And he said it was it was mainly emotion uh, forcing that decision. He saw all this craziness happen. He did see his conversion rates go down a little bit for pay-per-click traffic. And then he said, he, he assumed, hey, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. I just need to cut my marketing, which is the last thing you need to be doing. That's Seriously, like the last, the last thing you should do. But Oh, God, this is so, <laughs> going to irritate the shit out of me. But keep going. Dude. So on the other side of it is conversions, right? What happened with conversions? What, what I consider conversion is anyone who actually filled out a, a, an opt-in form on one of our websites across over 10,000 websites in the real estate investor and, and agent space. Um, conversion rates dropped not 10%, literally overnight from when, when the California stay-at-home order hit, Oregon was about the same time, there were a bunch of others. It dropped about 25%, okay? So if you look at this, Traffic dipped for a week or two, then got back up higher than it did before COVID. Conversions took a sharp drop, about 25%. Now, that, that, still, that doesn't mean most people are not opting in. It doesn't mean most people are not replying still. Most are still. It means that a good hunk are, are deciding to pull back and go, well, shoot, maybe right now isn't the time for me to fill out this information to take the next step. And so what I suggest you guys do is this. On one side, it shows the demand is there more now than ever. The, the, the pain for sellers might be even more acute now than, than it was even before COVID happened, right? Because they might have an income situation that they need your help with as an investment mm -hmm. agent. But on the other side of it, uh, a good hunk of them are saying, shoot, I don't want to fill out the information. So we talked to some sellers, we looked at some data. Why is that? Um, the main thing that we're deducing from it is many of them aren't sure what to do. They're, they're going, okay, well, I don't know if I want someone coming into my house anyway. So I'm going to hold off on filling out this information to take the next step. Uh, uh, many people are going, can I even sell my darn house right now when this is all going? Uh, so they're, they're holding off to take the next step, but they're still doing the research. Uh, many people are going, well, shoot, um, where am I going to move if I sell this house? Right? Like I can't move. Can I move anywhere right now with, with the stay at home order that's happening? And so what we're suggesting people doing, and we're seeing an increase in conversion on the, on the sites doing this is number one, be prepared and know that in this time you're motivated house seller leads and sometimes cash buyers. Uh, might be converting at a lower rate than you're normally seeing, but it doesn't mean that the pain isn't still there. So you should be doubling down in your marketing right now. We're, no seeing, Facebook, we're seeing Facebook ads way more cheap and Google ads in many markets, not all, uh, cheaper than they were before. So keep your ads going, even though your conversion rate might be lower than normal. Your cost per lead might be around the same. It might be a little more, but here's the key with it. Uh, on your website, you've got to update that hero section at the top of it that has a COVID specific message to put their mind at ease and say, hey, we are still buying houses. We're still serving you in these communities, even right now, especially right now, because you probably need it now more than ever. Here's just how our process has changed. 
and then link to an updated process. Hey, now we're going to hop on a call. There's no obligation to move out of your house. You know what? We won't even come into your home right now. Um, we're going to do it all over, over a, a FaceTime or a Zoom. We'll be able to make you a fair offer. Uh, we, we, will, we will put it under contract. We'll even do whatever to help you feel comfortable right now. But you know what? If you didn't want to move out right now, we're willing to be flexible with move out dates until this stuff shakes out. And so put their mind at ease. Put out content more now than ever. Okay, that's a big thing that people need to be doing. What Kent's doing right now, guys, during uh, crises or during times when people aren't sure what's going to happen, you need to be the authority more than ever. Like, don't pull back. You need to be stepping into it and saying, just like Kent's doing here, just like I'm doing, is do more content. Put out more stuff to, to put their mind at ease. Put out more stuff to make them feel comfortable with you that you're the authority. So here's three, three pieces of content you should be doing right now if you're a real estate investor. If you're not an investor and if you're an entrepreneur from a different business, you should be doing the same thing. Okay, I don't care what type of business you're in. You should be communicating. So here's three things you should be doing. Uh, put out a video. Uh, if you're an investor, but same thing, take this idea, deploy it in your market if you're not in real estate. Um, do a video that's specific to how you are still serving your clients during COVID. Okay, uh, somewhere between three and five minutes. Uh, talk about, hey, uh, we are still, here's who we are. We, we are still serving you locally. Uh, right now, all the iBuyers, all, all four of the major, not all iBuyers, all four of the major, you know, publicly traded iBuyers pulled out and they stopped buying. Now it's going to come, they're going to come back. Okay. They're going to, they're going to continue to buy, um, especially your open doors offer pads. They're going to come back in soon. Your red fins might hold back a little bit. They just laid off a bunch of people. Um, so they might hold back a little bit. But it's a perfect time to put out a message about that. Well, shoot, all the iBuyers might have moved out of your market here in Phoenix, but you know what? We're local. We're staying. Uh, we are here to serve our community, not just when we're, it's convenient. We're in this together. Yeah, 100%. Not just when it's convenient for us. You know what? We're going to be here through thick and thin with you guys. So put out a piece of content that's specific for how you're still selling your home sellers and buyers during COVID, what the new process is like, and put their mind at ease to say, you know what? You might want to start the process now and not wait it out. Now, here's why. Um, there are certain things if you're looking to sell retail that we really do predict that there is going to be a pop of demand and a pop of other people waiting it out at the end of it. Do you want to be one of many, uh, many houses in competition when, when, when all this is done? Or do you want to put your house in the market now where there's less competition, but there's still buyers searching? Okay, so get them to list now, not to wait it out if you're an agent. If you're an investor, get them to take the cash offer now because they don't know what their income is going to be like in two, three, four months. Okay, you're, selling, you're selling certainty in uncertain times. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So put out that video. The next video I, I want you guys to put out, uh, if you're if you're a real estate investor, is walking through a case study on on a client um, and make sure that's up there on a Facebook retargeting campaign. And so the last thing I'll say to this is is put out a series of videos at least one a week through the whole COVID situation, walking through a new dynamic to it. Uh, if you're at, if you're an agent and you're in your in your wanting to put out content, I would put out content putting literally the stats in your market week by week. Hey guys, tons of houses are still selling here in Los Angeles. If you think that they're not because of the way that the news media is talking about, let me show the actual stats from a local MLS. There was 855 listings and there was blah and there's this and this. Now's an amazing time to sell still. Uh, so start to put out a weekly update there. And then the last thing is, Ken, uh, tying back to the data, because the search volume has actually increased, people are at home a lot more searching on these things and they might have a more acute problem, but conversion rates have gone down. We've seen conversion rates gone down a little bit for direct mail as well. Um, it's not that they don't have the, the problem, it's that they're not taking the next step. That's where retargeting campaigns are gonna be crazy critical for you. Put those videos up in front of them on Facebook remarketing campaigns. Um, so they're in front of them over the next weeks, months. So when they are ready to take action, it's you that they choose because your content is in front of them, you built trust and authority. Do the same thing with your direct mail. Don't make a mail drop uh, that normally works and say, shoot, it doesn't work now, I'm gonna stop mailing. Uh, continue your sequence of mailing, but change your messaging. Uh, make one of your direct mail pieces specific to COVID and how they can sell right now. Uh, make, make your messages specific to whatever it is in the market, but keep those mailings going because if you cut your pipeline off right now, your income in 60, 90, 120 days is gonna take a big dip. Don't don't cut your pipe, pipeline off, guys. Double down on it while things are cheap. Yeah, so let's uh, we're wrap it up here, but I want to make sure we get the bullet points so everybody gets it because that was a that was a ton of great value here, right? So mm -hmm. just feel free to pop in here, Trevor. But I'm going to try to reiterate some of the stuff that you just said so nobody misses the ma major stuff here. Number one for everybody here, right? Whatever you do, do not stop marketing, right? Because here's one thing for sure that is happening is a lot of your competitors are. So just through the natural dynamic of attrition. Um, there, as they drop out, if you're still in, you will, 
very reasonably be able to buy media cheaper, buy impressions, buy clicks cheaper, ultimately people create uh, cheaper leads. But also um, you will have the ability to stay more top of mind, right? And get, actually be able to have the opportunity to gain market share here. This is a chance, you know, it's, it's one thing to stay in the market marketing. It's a whole other thing to even double down because I can tell you, I was talking to somebody yesterday. This is a chance where basically one normal step in the market you had before now really could be two steps. Meaning, mm -hmm. hey, for every step I was kind of gaining on my competitor, now I can distance myself by two steps at a time because they've taken a step backwards and my one step, two steps ahead is now getting, I mean, it's a, the, it's not hard to understand the dynamic. You can, the, the media is there. We had a lot of people on here talking about it. The media is there. Uh, and the only way you don't get to take advantage of it is if you stop, right? Mm -hmm. um, the second thing is I love the whole thing about making sure that you, uh, that content is out there uh, consistently, right? And the three point, points you talk about, this is a great opportunity for everybody here uh, to do a couple of things that Trevor just talked about. The three pieces of content are critical. Uh, the bottom line is, is that we are dealing with uncertainty and people are looking for authority. There's, an, a, there's a vacuum of either misinformation or a lack of information out there. And it's a great chance for you to jump in and really do a lot of uh, not only goodwill, but again, create that brand authority in your market that is real currency, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it absolutely spins in real dollars, right? If you become the voice of reason over time and you become top of mind, I can tell you firsthand that uh, people will naturally turn to you, not just now, but they will remember this for months and years to come, right? So this is a great chance to get in there and, and do that kind of stuff. And then, you know, last but not least is the whole retargeting campaign that you talked about. It doesn't have to be that complicated, right? You have a site visitor, you've literally paid or, or captured that traffic already, learning how to continue to um, drip really good content on them and be that voice of authority is something that I think is is really, really valuable advice, dude. This has been great. And like you're saying, Kent, I'll kind of tied up in the loop is, is make it simple. Just put something out. I mean, this right here, I'm on my back deck where I'm on a laptop. Um, all of my content's been on, on this. And, and you can pump up stuff on Facebook in a big way for way cheap. We put out a, a video that was kind of our COVID, um, you know, content piece for the market. Dude, we put under a hundred bucks behind it on, on uh, paid ads. And we got shared a bunch too, because it's good quality content leading our market. Dude, like 7,000 views in two weeks. And so um, under a hundred bucks, y'all. And, and we're driving people to our website from that. The same thing's happening for agents and for investors too. So uh, this is an amazing opportunity. Go with the math. Don't don't uh, don't lead with your emotion with your marketing. Trust the math, and you guys will win. Yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm glad you just said that because that's one thing I think is really important. Uh, go with the math. People pull out of marketing, by the way. And Trevor, you and I have seen this a million times, and that's why I was getting all wound up when you were talking about it, right? Because it just it's the bane of my existence that yep. people will literally take gas out of the tank. The very thing that feeds their business is one of the first things they'll cut off when things get a little uncertain. Marketing. Uh, yep. The only reason people cut off marketing, ladies and gentlemen, and Trevor, I, I love your opinion on this, is they don't know the math, mm -hmm. right? They don't know what their cost per lead is, what the cost per deal is, what the revenue per deal is. And so they're basically slinging shit up against the wall and kind of hoping that, you know, well, for shit, I spent 10 grand last month and I did three deals and made 30 grand. It must be working, right? When you actually know the math down to the, you know, cost per click, cost per lead, revenue per deal, conversion, when you know the math, it gets exciting. You can't wait to invest the money to generate more traffic and more opportunity rather than the people that are pulling back are the people that are guessing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And so know the math. They're, they're, they're the ones that, that would come to us and say, Hey, you know, uh, what can I get? What can I get pay-per-click wise with a thousand bucks a month? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, then I ask the question and say, well, what's your average profit per deal, right? Or if you're an agent, what's your average commission? So you start there like Ken said, what's your average profit deal? Write that down. And the next, I say, cool. How many how many quality leads does it take you to uh, does it take you to get one of those deals? <clears throat> well, you know, with and I'll give you guys some quick stats. I know we got to wrap, but uh, with uh, radio and TV advertising, it's usually between one in forty to one in sixty leads into a deal. Okay, it's more broad marketing. Um, direct mail, it's between one in twenty to one in forty leads into a deal traditionally. Okay, Google pay per click, it's between one in ten to one in twenty leads into a deal traditionally. Uh, SEO, so organic traffic, people going to Google land on your site. It's between one and eight to one fifteen leads into a deal. 
And so if, if you don't, if you don't know what your leads to deals are, you use one of those ratios depending on your marketing method. And then the last thing is I say, cool, if your average profit deal is 20K and it's going to take you 10 leads to close one of those deals, as an example, how much money would you be willing to put in uh, to get that $20,000 deal? If they don't have a number, I say just use 25% as a baseline. Awesome. Uh, then I'd be willing to put in five grand to get that $20,000 deal. Amazing. So let's do some quick math. Divide $5,000 by 10, by 10 leads, right? Uh, that's $500 per lead. You could you could spend up to $500 per lead, y'all, with that marketing channel, assuming those numbers hold still, and you would absolutely crush it. Where there's where, where people get stuck is they say, well, my buddy's getting Facebook leads over here for $42. bucks. i am paying $314. This is crazy. But if we do the math, and if your campaign is optimized, I go, well, shoot, awesome. Double down on it. Because if your campaign actually is optimized and, and you're not just throwing out crappy ads or have a non-converting website, like those have to be steady. That's what we focus on here at Carrot. But as long as it's optimized, dude, your math says you can spend up to 500, double down. Don't don't quit that marketing to go after $42 leads. 100%. Right? You know, 100%. But trust the math, guys. All right, dude, how do people find you? If they want to connect with you online, what, where do they need to go? Yeah, uh, two, two things. So carrot.com, uh, that's the simplest. Uh, we have an amazing blog over there. We have our podcast, CarrotCast. I have a weekly COVID uh, specific podcast and I help you market better and thrive in this in this environment. And dude, one other really cool thing we're doing is uh, I put out a mini documentary series. We were going to put out in May, but we bumped it up two months, a month and a half early to March for positivity. It's called Small Town Hustle. It's an eight uh, episode, really high produced, amazing docu-series that follows me and two of my entrepreneur buddies along the journey of how we're uh, growing multiple seven figure a year businesses, eight figure for, for us. And um, and it's you can find that at trevormock.com, T-R-E-V-O-R-M-A-U-C-H.com. We just put out episode four today. Uh, it's fun. So smalltownhustlingcare.com. I love it, brother. I love it. Thank you very much, dude. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. It means a lot to me and I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Likewise, buddy. Appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks guys. Have a great week. Hey, hey thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't gotten signed up yet with one of our award-winning products, I would invite you to go to reww.com. Check it out. Whether you're looking for advice on entrepreneurship, you're just looking for access to our Real Estate Investing Academy, whether you want to attend one of our upcoming live events, everything you need is right there. Plenty of videos, plenty of free training, plenty of access to software and tools that will help you to become a really successful real estate investor. Again, everything is right on the site at reww.com. You can also check us out at kentclothier.com.